next week. So make sure uh, that you're here for that to help us with that. And then we'll have our regular services on Wednesday night. We'll also be having Kids Discipleship Group uh, this Tuesday afternoon. And then um, I have a couple of cards that we received I wanted to read to you. This one says, Merry Christmas, MCON Church family. We love and miss you all and continue to pray for your safety and health. Love the Masseys. And so we just want to uh, also remember those who are not able to join us during this time and um, continue to just reach out to those uh, that are part of our church family. And then we also received a card that says, thank you for the turkeys to help our seniors have a better Thanksgiving. God bless your ministry. And that's from the Senior Center. Um, so just wanted to remind you that our turkey giveaway does make an impact on our community. And then the last announcement I have for you this morning is uh, about our pastoral search update. And so we have this information from Sarah. It says, the church has voted unanimous for the candidate to come, and we are waiting for their response. And they have 15 days to respond on that. So we want to continue uh, to be praying for that during this time. And now we are going to go into a time of worship. Darkness tries to roll over my bones When sorrow comes to steal the joy I own When brokenness and pain is all I know I won't be shaken No, I won't be shaken Cause my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Shame no longer has a place to hide. I am not captive to the lies I'm not afraid to leave my past behind I won't be shaken No, I won't be shaken Cause my fear doesn't stand a chance When I stand in your love My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. There's power that can break off every chain. Chance when I stand in your love, my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love, my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love, my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love, my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love, my fear doesn't stand
Nothing compares to the promise. 
We're going to go now into a time of prayer. And this morning, we want to remember um, our families who are part of our church who have COVID this morning, and we want to lift them up in prayer. But also, I know that a lot of you have heard about the tragedy that's happened with the Moore family. And so we just want to uh, remind you to be praying for them during this time. Dear Lord, we just thank you so much that we can just uh, worship you this morning from wherever we are, Lord, whether we're gathered together as a family in our homes or um, just by ourselves in our home, Lord. I pray that you would just meet with us this morning, God. And we want to lift up the families this morning who have COVID, Lord, and we just ask that you would just bring healing to their bodies during this time and that they would uh, have a full recovery, Lord. And God, I can't even imagine what the Moore family is going through this morning, God. I pray that you would just be so close to their family, Lord. We can't even imagine how they feel, Lord, but you do. And so we ask that you would just be so close to them during this time, Lord, and that you would just bring um, healing into Elisa's body, Lord, and that you would just be with their family and that they would just know and feel your presence with them there this morning, God. And I pray uh, for Pastor Luke this morning as he comes to give um, his message, Lord. I pray that you would just anoint his words, Lord, and that they would be um, exactly what you uh, want us to hear this morning, God. And um, we just continue to pray for our pastoral candidate, Lord, and we pray that you would just um, continue to speak to them, God, and um, guide them and direct them in the ways that uh, are pleasing to you, Lord. And it's in your name we pray these things. Amen. Well, I want to thank you for uh, joining us this morning. And we are officially out of the holiday season. And that's crazy. We've gone through Thanksgiving and, and Christmas and New Year's and what seems like a flash. And uh, looking back, I want you guys to think about what were some of your favorite uh, memories or some of your favorite things that happened during this holiday season. And even though 2020 wasn't probably our best year, what were some of the favorite things that happened to you during uh, 2020? And so I want you to go ahead and uh, pause this video and go over those questions. Again, uh, what were your favorite memories from the holiday season? And what were some of the favorite things that happened to you during 2020? Just push pause on this video and then I'll be right back with you. All right, so one of my favorite things about the holiday season is all the food that I get to eat. There are multiple meals where my family will all get around and we'll have a nice meal. And um, some of the favorite things I got to eat this year for breakfast was cinnamon rolls. Those were delicious. And I also got some homemade chicken noodles and they were Boom, the dynamite, it was awesome. Very, very good. Uh, but when we come together and eat, it's not just about the food, but it's also about the fellowship that takes place when we eat together. And food, food does something uh, to people. Food draws people in. Um, I remember in college, we would have different events and it just seemed like if there was not free food available, nobody was gonna show up. And so food draws people in. Uh, food makes people happy. It's hard to be happy when you're hungry. And so uh, I want you guys to discuss once again, uh, who gets the most angry in your family when they're hungry? Like noticeably angry. Some people call it 
hangry, right? So who gets the most hangry when uh, in your family? Go ahead and push pause and talk about who gets the most hangry in your family. So food can draw people in for fellowship and food can help uh, change our emotions. If we're hangry, then we all of a sudden become happy when we eat. But another thing that I've noticed is that food can get you some really, really shallow friends. Have you ever noticed the power of gum? You could be in a room with people you've never talked to as long as you've been there, but as soon as you pull out your package of gum, all of a sudden, it seems like everybody has been your lifelong friend. People treat you differently because they want a piece of gum. And gum is just a, a small version of that because uh, people want what you have. Uh, also, sometimes you who have trucks, people who have trucks, uh, sometimes I've noticed that uh, if you have a truck that uh, you might not, uh, people will all of a sudden come to you and say, hey, I want to borrow your truck. You may not have ever talked to them before, but as soon as they see that you have a truck, they're like, hey, we're lifelong friends. Can I borrow your truck? And you notice that you're moving things left and right. And so uh, people just use you for your truck. And I've also known people who've had a lot of influence and people treat them differently and they treat them really well, not because the person cared about them, but because they knew that they had influence and they wanted to use them for their influence. And people often use people for what they can get out of them instead of valuing the relationship. And Jesus went some, through something very similar when he was here on earth. And we actually see this story in the, the book of John, in John chapter 6. So go ahead and get your Bibles out to John chapter 6. And here's the, the context of this story before we get into it. Jesus has just fed 5,000 people. The people were so happy about it that it said that Jesus had to withdraw to a mountain to get away from the people because they wanted to make him king. They were like, wow, he's, he's fed all these people with hardly anything. We should make this guy king. And it says they were going to try to make him king by force. By force. And so the disciples, they get into the boat and they leave and they row about three or four miles in some rough waters and Jesus isn't with them, but they're in the, the middle of the sea and then they, they see Jesus and Jesus is walking on water. And eventually Jesus gets into the boat and they reach the other side of the land where they were going. But now it's the next day and the, the crowds that had just been fed by Jesus, they're wondering where did Jesus go? And so they're looking around, they don't see him. And so the next morning they get up and they're looking for him. They can't find him. And they decide we're going to get into our boats and go to the other side. And so that's what they do. And that's where we find ourselves in the scripture today. So this is John chapter six, verses 25 through 27. It says this, when they had found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, because you ate the, because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, 
but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. So the crowd was fed by Jesus just the day before. They seen him feed 5,000 people. That is a ton of food, right? And they see him, and then all of a sudden, the next day he's gone. They're looking for him. They go to the other side of the lake, and they're like, Rabbi, when did you get here? In other words, they're saying, dude, Jesus, where, where'd you go? We want to make you king. We want another meal. Why'd you leave, man? And the people at this time, during this culture, during this time in history, they wanted to overthrow Rome because Rome was in control and they were very harsh to the Jewish people. And the, the Jewish people wanted to be a nation to themselves. And so if you're thinking, if we're going to choose a king, who better to be king than a man who can heal people? He's performed many miracles. And then who better to uh, be a king than somebody who could feed 5,000 people with just uh, hardly any food at all? But what does Jesus say to them? Basically, he's saying, you are not looking because you miss me and you're not looking because of me. Rather, you're looking because you want to get something out of me. Jesus knows that they don't want to follow him as the son of God, but rather they want to follow them, but follow him for what they can get from him. They hungered for bread that would not last. And Jesus goes on to say in verse 27 that they should not work for food that spoils, but rather that food that will endure to eternal life, and that the Son of Man would give them this bread. Jesus is trying to get them to see past their immediate need. Right now they're thinking, man, I'm hungry, I need bread. And Jesus is trying to get them to see past that and to see that he is the Son of God and to get them to have an internal perspective instead of just thinking about their immediate needs. And the people are wanting immediate satisfaction to their temporary need, but Jesus is trying to give them an eternal perspective, showing that he is the only thing that they need. And so the story continues, and it continues in verse 28, and it says, Then they asked him, What must we do to do the work that God requires? Jesus answered, the work, that God is, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, well, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now, it's really, really interesting here because just the day before, what has Jesus done? He just fed 5,000 people. And now they're coming to Jesus and they're saying, we want to follow you. And he's saying, I'm the son of God. I'll give you this eternal bread, this bread of life. And they're saying, well, then what sign will you give to prove that you actually are who you say you are? And it's like, dude, do you not remember the 5,000 people? You were there. You got some of the food. That, here's your sign, right? But they know that he's already given them a sign showing that he had come from God. But the people are not interested in the person 
who gave the sign. Rather, they're just interested in the sign, and they want to get more from him. They're not interested in the giver. They're interested in the gift. They even hint at wanting more bread. They're like, hey, what sign will you give us? You know, Moses, he had manna from bread came down. You know, Jesus, there was a time when you, you made some wonder bread come for 5,000 people. Could, you, could we have some more of that wonder bread? That was, that was pretty good, Jesus. You made it yesterday. Can we have some more, more today? And uh, if you give us that, Jesus, if you show us that sign, man, then, Jesus, then we will believe. The people want the blessing, but they are uninterested in the one who is giving the blessing. Jesus then gets to the point where he drops the bomb on them, and he says in verse 35 through 36, and he says this, Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. And the people say that they want the bread that gives eternal life, and they trust that Jesus can give it to them. They trust that Jesus knows what it takes to have eternal life, and they say, Jesus, give us this bread. And they're asking him for it because they believe that he can give it. But Jesus then says, I, I am the bread of life. And what do the people do? In verse 41, it says this, At this, the Jews began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread of life that came down from heaven. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can we now say, I came down from heaven? So the people say, hey, Jesus, we want this bread of life. We want to have this eternal bread that will really satisfy us, Jesus. That's what we want. They're asking Jesus for it. And then Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And as soon as they say that I am the bread of life, they're uninterested. They're uninterested because they realize that Jesus wasn't going to be a person to compromise Jesus was saying, I am going to be your all or I am going to be nothing. The people only wanted their immediate desires fulfilled. They wanted the blessing. They didn't want to have anything to do with the one who was blessing them. They wanted the blessing instead of having a relationship with Jesus. And I just want you guys to think um, of, here's some uh, life application questions um, from our scripture today. My first question for you is, do you desire the blessing of Jesus more than Jesus himself? Why do you come to church? Why in the world do you set time aside each week to come here on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights? Is it because you want to hang out with your friends? That's good if you want to hang out with your friends. There's a lot of cool people here. Well, not today, but you know what I mean. But those things will leave you hungry. Is it because you have nothing else to do? Well, I'm glad you're here when you come here, but if you're just here to be here, man, that's going to leave you hungry. Are you doing it to appease your family? While it may appease your family, it won't appease your deepest desires. Jesus is your deepest need. 
And if you're just trying to appease your family, let me tell you, that will leave you hungry. Are you coming for your reputation? Well, it may look to good to other people that you come to church, that you read your Bible even. You know, if you're not really following Jesus, people's opinions change like that. What people think of you changes in a second. They are only temporary. They will leave you hungry. Why do you come to church? If you're only here for, if you are here for anything else other than to know Jesus more and to be in better relationship with him and worshiping him, then you're here for the wrong reason. My second question is this, are you hungry for God? Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Do you read your Bible? And not just to check it off a list, not just to say, yeah, I read my Bible today, but do, when you get into the scripture, are you saying, oh God, I am hungry from a word for you. God, I need your revelation in my life that I can live for your will, for your glory. God, I'm hungry for you. Can, can you just, when I am in this word today, God, can you just speak to me today? God, I am so hungry from a word for you. Or is this just something that you, you check off of a list? Or is this something that you even pick up at all? Do you pray? And I'm not just talking about, dear God, I, I, I thank you for my food, thank you for my family, and thank you for my life, and here are all the problems I have, and make everything right, in Jesus' name, amen. Man. Can you imagine if every time that I talked to my wife that I just said, Bethany, I need you to do this, this, and this. Okay, bye. What kind of relationship would we have? Prayer is coming to God and, and you know, sometimes when I talk to my wife, I just want to tell her, hey, baby, I love you. <laughs> and I, I tell her all these things. That I, I think you're beautiful. I think you're, yeah, yeah, don't I? Oh, yeah. She's over here. And she's saying, yeah, I do that sometimes. Right? And sometimes we just need to come to God and God, you are so great. God, I want to worship you, Lord. I just want to tell you who you are, exalt your name. And yes, we do need to talk about our needs, but also, you know what? If only the thing that I did with my wife was talk to her, that would be insane. What else do I have to do? I have to take time and listen. When in your prayer life have you just taken time and been still and quiet and say, God, would you just speak to me now? In the quietness of my day, I'm turning off my phone, I'm turning off the TV, I'm, I'm getting away, and Lord, I just, I need to hear from you. Can you just be in those moments of intimacy, of prayer? Can we tell that you're hungry for God by knowing that your sin bothers you? Does your sin even bother you? Do you care if you sin? Does it matter to you that when you sin, that you realize that you've not only offended your brother or your sister or your friend or your family member, but that you have offended God, that you have sinned against God, the creator, the one who has loved you, that you have offended him? Does your sin even bother you? Or do you just think, well, you know, it is what it is. I've always done it. I've always struggled. 
Man, if we're hungry after God, we want to be after him that we would hunger and thirst for righteousness. And does your sin even bother you? God desires that when we sin, that we wouldn't run away from him, but oh God, God, that I am broken. I am so sorry that I would repent of my sin and God, that you would come and that you would forgive me of my sin. You know, these things, you know, if we're praying and we're reading our Bible, we're coming to church and our sin bothers us, this shows, these are just evidences that man, I am hungry for God. Think about, about the way that we schedule our lives. We almost wake up every single day and we get about three meals a day. We always make time for about three meals a day. We take at least eight hours a day for work so that we can make money. We spend as much time as with our family as we can. And oftentimes we set a time aside for entertainment whether it be sports, TV, or or Facebook, or whatever it may be, shopping, whatever it is, we set aside time for that within our week, right? We set aside time for the things that we are desperately hungry for. Are you hungry for God? And my final question is, do you allow God to be God even when he doesn't do or give you the thing that you were expecting. You know, the people, the people asked for bread that would never perish from Jesus. They said, okay, Jesus was talking about this bread that would never perish. And they said, Jesus, give us this bread. And they asked, believing that Jesus knew what the bread was. But in their mind, they had something different. They thought like this, when I eat this bread, you know, I'll never go hungry again. But they believed that Jesus could give them this bread. But then Jesus answers with something that they were not expecting, something that they were not ready for. He said, I am the bread of life. And when Jesus gave them an answer that they were not expecting, when it was not what they were wanting, they start to grumble and they're like, I'm out. I don't want to have anything to do with this. They wanted the blessing of Jesus, but they didn't want the relationship of Jesus. They wanted to have God answer the way that God, the way that they wanted God to answer them, right? And oftentimes we pray and we pray to God and we're like, God, I want your will to be done and your will should look like a lot like my will. But more often than not, it seems that God has a very different agenda than us. Sometimes instead of an instant healing to a sickness, God allows a lifelong struggle. Instead of taking away pain from our broken relationships, God teaches us to forgive even when it hurts. Instead of receiving that raise in your paycheck, God teaches us to be dependent upon him. And in the moments that God answers in a way that we were not expecting, in a way that we rather him not answer, are we willing to allow God to be, al- to be God even in those moments where we don't understand? Jesus had many struggles on this earth. People scoffed at him. They betrayed him. They misunderstood him. They talked behind his back. And they even killed him by hanging him on a cross. And 
before they put him on the cross, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's praying to God and he's saying, God, I don't want to go through with this. God, if there is any other way other than death on the cross, Lord, if there's any other way, please, let's take that route. But not my will, but yours be done. And God, God takes him on the journey that leads him to death on the cross. And ultimately, Jesus, who did not want to go there, submitted himself under God's authority, even to the point of death. And how did he do this? Why did he do this? He did this because he was hungry after God. In John 4, 34, Jesus said this, my food is to do the will of God. Jesus was hungry after God. Jesus had a craving to do the will of God. To do the will of God was Jesus's nourishment. Lord, where do you want me to go today? Do you need me to heal somebody today? Okay, I'm gonna heal them, but for your glory, God, I will heal. Right? When he's praying to, uh, for Lazarus to raise out of the dead, he prays out loud and he says, God, I'm praying to you so that these people will know that you did this. And then he says, Lazarus, come out of there. And he's doing the will of God. Lazarus comes out and God gets the glory. It was Jesus's food. It's like, man, when he does the will of God, he's feeding. God, this is, this is my nourishment. This is my strength. God, I want to do your will. That is my substance. Jesus was hungry to do the will of God. Do you hunger after God? Do you desire to do the will of God? Philippians 2, 13 tells us this, for God is working in you, listen to this, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Some of you have been Christians for a long time and it can become kind of difficult in this Christian life to continue to have a desire after God. Sometimes it feels like, man, it'd just be easier to do my own will. Man, it would just be easier just to do the things I want to do it. And God, sometimes it's hard to do the things that you do because oftentimes it's hard to even know what God wants us to do. And it can wear on us day after day trying to do a will of God. But listen to this, Philippians 2.13 tells us this, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Man, today, I believe that God will supply with you, to you not only the power to do his will, but also the desire. You can come to the Lord Jesus and just say, God, Give me the desire to follow you even when, I'm, even when I don't understand what's going on. God, would you give me the desire to follow you and to do your will? Give me a hunger, Lord, to do your will even when I don't understand. God, would you give me the desire even when I don't want to go the direction that you're wanting me to go? God, will you give me the desire? Will you give me a hunger? Lord, I want to be like Jesus and that doing your will would be my nourishment, that doing your will would be my food. Do we hunger after God? I'm going to close in prayer now.
Are you hungry after God? After I close in prayer, I just want you to take some time. Maybe you're with your family, but I just want you all to take some time in silence just by yourselves and just allow God to speak to you. I don't know what spoke to you in this sermon today, but I believe that God has given his word today. And just allow God to speak to you and pray about what God, what is it that you're wanting from me? God, I want to desire you. I want to hunger after you. And after you have prayed, I just want the, the spiritual leader of the family just to pray over your family after you're done listening. And then maybe as a family, you guys can discuss, you know, what was it that stood out to you in this sermon? What is it that God would taught you today? And I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to be with you in your homes and your places of discussion. And I believe that God is going to do a great work in that time as well. Allow God to use that time. All right? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, God, there's a lot of things that that we want, Lord. There's a lot of things that whetten our appetite in this world, God. And there's a lot of things that we hunger after. Hunger after money. We hunger after relationships. We hunger after uh, status. And Lord God, I would pray that we would not have our mind on the things that are right in front of us, Lord, but Jesus, that you would give us an eternal perspective. And God, that we would hunger after you. Lord, that we would be submitted to your will and to your ways, God, even when we don't understand what in the world you're doing, God, that we would still stay committed to you and say, Lord, wherever you take me, wherever you would have me stay or go, God, I am going to be fully committed to you. Lord, I pray for those who have been following you for a long, long time, Lord, and they are tired. The journey of life has been tough on them. It has worn on them. God, I pray this scripture of Philippians 2.13 on them, God. It says that you will give them the desire and the power to do what pleases you. God, I pray that you would just strike in them a new desire, Lord that they would have a desire to do your will in their jobs, in their homes, and Lord, that they would just have a passion for you. God, would you make Marshfield Church of the Nazarene a people who are hungry after you? And God, I pray that you would give us the power, the power to reveal you to other people. Lord, we love you. We thank you, God, for all the main blessings that you give us. I pray, God, that we would be hungry after you. And it's your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. God bless you and your family. Amen.